Uh, today we have joining us uh, Pastor J.D. Larson, who is a co-lead pastor with his wife, Christian Ann, of North City Church, a church plant that birthed out of Mill City in 2019. 19, yeah. I'm, my, right now, like, dates are just, who knows. Um, and it's just such an honor to have J.D. back here to preach because he shares with me the, the bittersweet nature of us only having a couple more Sundays here. And uh, we welcomed J.D. onto our team years ago, and him and his wife, Christian Ann, served on our team. And it was just amazing to see how God multiplied our church out into North City Church and how they're flourishing in their dinner church model. It's been just incredible. And so uh, in addition to all of these things, J.D. is one of my closest friends, and so I'm so grateful for him to be preaching in this Lent series. So can you welcome Pastor J.D.? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, bittersweet is a good uh, word for it. I was just sitting over there singing with you all and thinking about all the memories that these walls and halls hold. I'm sure there are some tears of mine over there in the seat somewhere, and I know for certain there is tons of sweat of mine, particularly on that ramp back there. I still remember the day when Michael Bender and I had this conversation like, why don't we just use the elevator to bring the things up from the basement. And that wasn't three months into the church plant, it was like five years into the church plant. So uh, I've dedicated two of my children on this stage and I brought a picture along of the Sunday uh, when you all dedicated us as Mill City folks being sent out uh, to plant North City Church. So there are a lot of memories right here on the stage, right here in this room. What better season to process through those memories than Lent, the season that the Orthodox Church calls uh, a bright sadness, a season of bright sadness. And I know that we're all holding, both Mill City and Elam alum, holding some of both of those things, bright expectation for the future that's in store for you all, for our little family of churches, and sadness that goes along, but that grief is good. It's evidence of all the good things that God has done here in this space. So as we approach uh, scripture this morning, as we talk about Jesus being the Messiah, let's just pray and welcome Jesus into this space and cherish together one of the last times uh, that you all are here. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we honor you we praise you and we glorify you for all that you've done in this space and in our hearts. Jesus, when we sit back, we're in awe of how you have led us to love our community in your name. Jesus, we ask as we have Sunday after Sunday to encounter you in this time by the power of your Holy Spirit through your word that you might change and transform us to be sent out, to be people who partner with you in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, can you remember the last time you found yourself in a place that you did not belong? I don't, maybe this was like a college class that you went into that was not your class, that you thought was your class. I thought of a, uh, it's been a week for us Packer fans, 
Uh, that's one thing you need to know about me. Um, I'm a Packer fan. Hopefully that doesn't create barriers. Yeah, that, what, what sad clap, clapping that was there. Here's another sad story. All right. The, one of the last times that I was in a place where I found out I didn't belong was a few months after moving to Minnesota from Baltimore, uh, where I was doing college and some ministry work. I uh, caught up with some old friends at O'Gares, I think it's called, O'Gares in St. Paul, and we were grabbing some burgers, and we walked through the door, we were seated by the hostess, and she's like, hey, do you guys want to enter into a raffle? And we're like, sure, raffle? Uh, Does it cost anything? No, yeah, just put your name in. So we did, and we forgot about it. The burgers came, I was halfway through, they were super delicious, we were having great conversation. And I look up across the table, and my friend's like reaching across the table to shake me and saying, hey, dude, they're calling your name from the other room. They're calling your name from the other room. I'm like, they're like, maybe you want something. Go check it out. So I, I go to the other room, and I walk in the door, and there is a sea of purple jerseys. And I walk through the door, and I am immediately afraid. And I walk through the door, and I'm like, I do not belong here. And people are like ushering me towards, I'm serious, there's like a hundred people in Vikings uniforms in this place. There's even, what do you call the mascot? What's his name? I don't know. The mascot guy, the Viking, I guess you just call him. Ragnar, sweet. Ragnar was there. He was waving at me very excessively. And they like ushered me to the front, and in my mind, I'm like, oh no, I cannot accept this. Oh no, I'm not supposed to be here. I cannot accept this. And they're like, you won, dude. You won. Isn't this so great? And I don't know what was going on in my mind. I was just super anxious. I'm like, I need to get out of here. And I pulled out my ID, which at that time was still from Wisconsin. And I showed the dude who's like celebrating at the mic, I'm like, I'm from Wisconsin. Tell no one, I want to leave. And in so many words that I can't even remember, I just said, please give it to someone else. Please give it to someone else. And I just left. And so the guy on the mic was like awkwardly like, okay, well, I guess we're going to give the prize to someone else. And I walked out the door and I went back to my burger. I'm like, whew, really dodged a bullet there. Then the waitress came back and said, wow, That was a really interesting way to give up 50-yard line tickets to the Packers and Vikings game this weekend. (sighs) So that's why I'm becoming a Jets fan this week. That was was for the NFL insiders. I was reflecting back on that. I love to tell that story because it humbles me in moments uh, where there's fun banter between Vikings fans. But... I still remember very palpably that like visceral anxiety when I walked in the room and felt like I didn't belong. And it makes me think about how often I feel low-grade versions of that feeling in different parts of life. And it makes me think about how life often is a journey of us seeking for belonging. And whenever we walk into spaces or walk through different parts of our life, we're always asking questions, do I belong here? And it raises the question, what boundaries, like Vikings uniforms 
or Green Bay Packer uniforms, cheese heads, or skull do we create in our lives, not just those silly ones, but the meaningful ones that make a huge difference and either separate us relationally from people or draw us closer to people? What are the boundaries of belonging we put on ourselves? And what are the boundaries of belonging that we place on others in our lives? Because we all sort of experience that low-grade anxiety when we not walk into the spaces of our lives, whether it's our homes, workplaces, or maybe even in this room as a church. Coming, asking the question, what does it mean for us to belong? Here we are today talking about Jesus as the Messiah, talking about the story that progresses towards the cross, towards resurrection. And a question I just want to pose as we approach part of that story today is what does this story have to say to that anxiety we might experience, to those questions of belonging and what it takes to belong? What does Jesus as Messiah, a king, mean towards that? What difference does Jesus make in our lives? Not just when we step into rooms like that, but when we step into our everyday life. We've been talking about Jesus as Messiah, and if you aren't familiar with that word, uh, it just means literally anointed one, but the previous preachers have talked about a lot of different dimensions of what that means. Today I've kind of come to it uh, The term Messiah for Jesus meant at least three things that I want to highlight. It meant that Israel expected a new king to come in the line of David. It meant that they were looking for a new high priest, someone who would not only lead the kingdom of Israel, but the temple as well, to to restore and renew the temple. And they were looking for a family leader to reunite the tribes of Israel and create a new way of being Israel together. So Jesus being Messiah means that he is fulfilling those expectations of king, of high priest, and of the leader of the family of Israel. The text we want to look at today is John 13. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles, let me set it up for you. And why I think this is such a crucial text for us to look at when we're moving towards Easter is we're getting into, at least in John's gospel and how it is echoed in other stories in other gospels, of Jesus preparing to establish his kingdom, to establish this new temple, this new family. And what happens in John 13 and beyond, Jesus is sort of acting out the values of the community that he's going to establish. He's acting out the values of what will be this kingdom, this new kingdom, this new way of relating with God, a new way of relating with each other. You could say he's acting out what it means to belong in his family. So let's look at this text John chapter 13. I'm going to walk through it and maybe take some pauses to help highlight some things for you. Uh, But this is just a few days before Jesus goes to the cross. This is John 13. We're going to read 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival, one of the most meaningful festivals for the Jewish uh, believer in that time. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his father. And then it says this, Having loved his own who were in the world, 
He loved them to the very end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. That's a phrase that marks his messiahship. So he summoned an angel army, and he laid these plans to take over the city of Jerusalem. Is that what your version says? No. What does it say? What would a Messiah do when he's getting ready to establish his kingdom? This is what Jesus does. He got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. Everybody in the room would have known what that meant, that he was taking on the uniform of a servant, the uniform of a servant. It's also the clothes that he would eventually be wearing on the, cl- on the cross. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now that was not a thing a king or messiah was supposed to do, which is probably why Peter reacts in the way that he's about to react. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Which is kind of like, come on, man, he's already washed some other disciples' feet. Did you not know he was coming to you next? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Nope, says Peter. You shall never, never wash my feet. Can you feel the anxiety of Peter coming through these words? He is not okay with the situation that's going down right now. Jesus answers him with this. He says, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. In other translations, it says, unless I wash you, you won't belong with me. You don't belong to me. Then, then Lord, Peter says, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. If you remember from the Gospels, Peter is a little extra. It's maybe like an Enneagram 8, maybe Enneagram 3. Like, he just goes for it, like, all the way. He's like, let's just take a bath. Let's go and do everything here. And Jesus answers, like, no, no, no. Those who have taken a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and, that he, and that's why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Then he said this, and this is a question that I invite you to ponder for the rest of your life. I know that I do. Do you understand what I have done for you? Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so. That Lord is another reference to Messiah. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash one another feet. You should wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. No messenger is greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So what does this passage mean? What does it mean for us in the life that we live? What is Jesus doing here? What's going on in this sort of absurd situation? And first, I just want to look, take a closer look and double-click on foot washing because you maybe started reading this passage you're like, okay, foot washing sermon, I've heard this one before. But to us as Christians, because this is seared in our minds, these images are seared in our minds, we don't fully appreciate the absurdity of what's going around, on around this table. Foot washing was at least three things back in ancient Israel that I think inform our understanding of this. First of all, foot washing happened for temple purification, which means the priests, before they would go into the temple, they would wash their feet and their hands. So Jesus, in a nod, is almost doing that here with these people. He's kind of commissioning them as priests. Like I said, the Messiah would come and establish new rhythms and be a leader of the temple. He's creating sort of a temple atmosphere, a new way of connecting with God, and he's doing it around a table with a uniform of a servant, not in the fancy temple that's down the street. The next thing that happened with foot washing in the ancient world, both in Greco-Roman and Jewish context, was it was used to reinforce social status, a distance, really. There was a whole class of people who were foot washers. If you were wealthy, you would set out maybe a basin of water, if you were uh, moderately wealthy, like middle class, for people to wash their own feet. You certainly didn't wash their feet if you were a host. And if you were upper class and had servants and people working for you, they would wash other people's feet. Some ancient historians even say there's evidence that foot washing or foot washer was used as a pejorative. Like, they're a foot washer. And it was used as a practice of daily life to reinforce social status basically reinforce who was on the bottom of the social status and who was on the upper end of the social status. And it was ordinary. It happened every day in life. These people, their footwear was sandals, and they walk around and their feet got really dirty, and they really stunk. So it was a necessary part of everyday life. So here's Jesus establishing a new temple totally flipping upside down a social status structure and taking an ordinary activity and making it extraordinary. Earlier in the service, we sang about how these hands, Jesus' hands, have created worlds, and here are Jesus' hands holding dirty feet. So the shock on the disciples' face is not surprising. The Enneagram 8 pushback of Peter is not that surprising. So let's look a little bit deeper at Peter's experience. How do you think he's experiencing this? I'm sure he felt some of those same feelings of anxiety I felt, different circumstance, but same feelings in the sea of purple people eaters. He's like, I don't know what's going on, but I don't belong with what's happening here. And the reason why is Peter had a concept of what it meant for Jesus to be Messiah. 
He had a picture in his mind of what it would mean for him to participate in this kingdom that Jesus was establishing. He might have even brought notes. He might have even brought notes with him about, okay, let's have our Passover meal, but then let's talk shop about how we're going to do this uh, Messiah thing in the next few days here. And what Jesus does in this moment totally upends that business meeting. Totally upends that. You know, this is how Peter experienced it. But I wonder what it would be like for us to experience it. So I brought this chair along. And just imagine with me if Jesus was here. And I get to do the Mr. Rogers thing and take off one of my shoes. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to take these shoes off. I love these shoes. These are my Red Wings. I was born in Red Wing, so it's a point of pride for me to wear Red Wings. I love, I actually I like grew up next to people who made these things. I love them so much, they're so comfortable, and they represent for me, I wear them because they're a piece of my identity. Not only where I came from, but they're work boots, and I, in some ways, appreciate my blue-collar roots, and I like that they're dirty and scuffed up, that I get to work with my hands every once in a while. And what I do, I really appreciate these, and I like wearing them around. It makes me wonder how much identity Peter placed in his identity, his sandals, what he thought he could bring to the table, what shoes he was wearing in that room. And Jesus invited him to take those sandals off, and those shoes off, so that he could get at his feet. The thing that was probably the most unpleasant to think about in his life. For me right now, you can see I got a nice stub toe. Played a little indoor soccer, and when you get over 35, things like this happen. I got my first planter wart. I won't show you, but it's happening on my foot. I got nice uh, hair here that I appreciate because I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, and it makes me think about my fantasies of being a hobbit and living in New Zealand. When I take my red wings off, you get to learn a lot more about me. Sometimes things that are not that pleasant. Sometimes things that I really appreciate. And I reflect on even now what it would be like for Jesus to wash my feet. There would be so much that's going on. But one thing that would be required of me is I would have to take off my red wings. And I wonder how much in my life... I prefer to be identified with, I prefer for the method of belonging in the spaces that I am to be seen through my red wings. When I come into different spaces, I like the shoes that I wear, and I prefer to be known by these than known by this. And the invitation of Jesus is to set aside the the preferences that we care about being identified by in order for Jesus to deeply know us. Peter showed up to the meeting about what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah with his working boots on. He was ready to go to work. He was ready to find his identity in Jesus' movement based on what he could do. And Jesus invited him to be, and to be served, and to be loved, and to be touched and healed in places that he would have rather kept wrapped up in his working boots. I wonder this morning, a question for us to consider, is what are the boots that we wear? What are the shoes that we wear? 
When we walk into spaces, what are the uniforms that we put on outside of our true selves that we're hoping for, belonging for? And what does it mean for us to take off our shoes? Many of you in this room have been baptized. You've been welcomed into the family of God. But have you let Jesus wash your feet lately? Have you let him attend, attended to the bruises and the infections, the things that you've picked up along the way in life that you would rather keep concealed? Part of what it means to be belonging, or part of what it means to belong in the kingdom is that our king cares more about our feet than the shoes we're wearing. Now, this works in the opposite direction as well. I felt like this was for someone here. A lot of times there's moments in life where we might feel what I was feeling that day when I walked into that room of Vikings, that we don't belong because we're the only fill-in-the-blank, the only woman, the only person of color in the room. And there's moments in our life where people have said, you don't fit in those shoes. And what can make all the difference in those moments, being a Jesus follower, is that you know it's not about the shoes. It's about the feet. And you know that your feet have been touched by the, man, the, the God who made the universe. You know that your feet have been washed by Jesus. And so it doesn't matter because nothing is beneath this God. Your feet, your infirmities are not beneath this God to be touched and to be healed. The parts of you that other pe people think disqualify you from wearing the shoes that bring you purpose and vocation in your life, Jesus has touched your feet. And so you can be in those spaces and wear those shoes that other people don't think you should be wearing. This is part of what it means for our Messiah to wash feet. Jesus goes on and says, do you understand what I've done for you? I think we can't fully probably understand the more and more we contemplate this. But I think we deeply need to contemplate that our Savior is willing to wash feet. That there's nothing beneath him, so there should be nothing beneath us. Jesus said a lot of kingdom of God is like phrases. And I think he would say something like this in terms of what this means for us. He didn't say this, but I feel like it could come from his mouth. The kingdom of God is not found in a new pair of sneakers. It's found between the toes of our neighbors. Joining Jesus and not only letting him wash our feet, but participating in washing others' feet around us is the vocation of, the, uh, uh, of our calling, is the vocation of our kingdom that we participate in. Are we willing to befriend people who wear different shoes? You walk through all forms of life, and the shoes you might put on to go to work in the morning are different than the shoes that you pack pass by on the, on the way to work, or pass by maybe as you go up to the top of the building and pass by the workers working below. There's people who wear all different types of, sh of shoes. To be a Jesus follower is to be a foot washer, to be more concerned not with the shoe but what's in it and how it represents people's lives. What does this actually look like in our life? So, uh, as I was preparing for this sermon, 
one of the places that I love to prepare and write recently is public libraries because you can rent really beautiful spaces that are super quiet and super focused. And I rented one of those spaces in my public library and uh, I was really into some amazing flow with a sermon and I was writing and then all of a sudden there was a rap, rap, rap on the glass door. And I was like, this is exactly why I uh, rented this place so this wouldn't happen. I looked up and a friend from dinner church was looking through the door and waving at me. And we'll use uh, the name Frank for this friend. Now Frank came to us, uh, and the first time he walked in the door, all of us kind of looked up because let's just say Frank wears different shoes than a lot of us who eat at dinner church. His life circumstances are different. Our social status would be very different. And he was rapping on my door and waving with a smile. And so I opened the door, and he came in, and we had a chat. And there was nothing extraordinary that happened. The Holy Spirit didn't come and heal him or me. But it was a beautiful kingdom, ordinary moment. Frank has a certain aroma about him. I would call it the aroma of the streets. And after he left in our conversation, the aroma lingered. And I sat there and returned back to my sermon. And Jesus just said to me, I think you just experienced your sermon. There are moments in life where we have the opportunity to convey these prerequisites of belonging. If what it takes to belong in Jesus' kingdom is to let him wash your feet and be willing to wash others' feet, there are moments that can happen in our life like that moment with Frank. I went out of the room to use the bathroom and I overheard him in a very loud voice in the library saying, That's my pastor writing his sermon in that room. And I almost cried. If not for Jesus, if not for a community of people who stood on this stage and said, we're foot washers, Frank and I would not be friends. In the kingdom of God, we're friends. And to be someone whose Messiah washes feet means that we are people who are willing and desirous of having friends like Frank. We're willing to wash others' feet. Like in Romans 12 when it says, live in harmony with each other and do not be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people or people of lower status. You know, it strikes me Pastor Paul of, for Elam alums, the last sermon he preached at Elam, he said, it's time to put on different shoes. And it strikes me as you enter into this new season, Mill City and Elam alums together, you're putting on different shoes. You'll leave this building, go to a new building, and you'll need to remember, these buildings are just shoes. What's inside the shoe matters. You might get a few blisters in the next few months as you try on these new shoes. And you have the opportunity to remember that what the basis of our community as Jesus followers is, is the ability to be loved and served and healed by Jesus first. And to be empowered to not see each other by the shoes we're wearing, 
but enter into each other's lives long enough to know what's beneath the shoes, to know each other's life, and to love and offer service to one another. I want to invite the band to come up. As the band comes up, I want to read this last verse that says, Now that you know these things, have experienced these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Insight does not equal transformation. If something was insightful for you this morning, I'm glad, but you won't really know this until we practice it with each other. So that practicing starts, as I said, letting Jesus wash your feet. Now, we can't create that experience for you this morning, but I wonder in the song that we're about to sing that's focused on Jesus, what a wonderful Savior, I want to invite you to close your eyes and ask yourself, has it been a while since you've let the Spirit of Jesus in your heart attend to the things that are bruised, that are injured, that are unpleasant, and experience his love this morning? Is there shoes that you need to take off and let him do that? Is there places in your life that you've been experiencing imposter syndrome, like you don't belong there, And you need to be reminded that the God that you serve loves you enough to wash your feet and that can empower you to wear whatever shoes he invites you to wear in your life. And that's the basis of your belonging. As you ponder this image of Jesus washing your feet, does it renew an interest, a desire to not ignore people who wear different shoes, but to pause and engage in relationship with them. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you in this time of transition as a God who created worlds with his hands and also washes our feet. Jesus, would you empower us with your love Would you change, transform, and heal what needs to be healed? Would we cast aside the points of identity that we bring into relationship with you as prerequisites for belonging and be open to your transforming, saving love so that we can have the mentality of a servant like the uniform you put on that night when you washed the disciples' feet? Would you empower us to love the world around us in the same way? In Jesus' name.